Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. everybody this is Sandra Beck and I am so excited today I've got two of the best guys in the universe they are not only fathers they are husbands they're good men they're amazing writers they have a military history behind them and they are actually Wall Street Journal best-selling authors and I gotta tell you there's very few people in the world like these guys, and I'm so excited to talk about your new book today. We're going to talk about Dark Intercept. Now, this is part of the Shepherd series novel. Tell me a little bit about that, you guys. For those of you who want to learn more about Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson, go to their website, Andrews and Wilson. It's andrews-wilson.com and see all their books. They're so cool. And the other thing that these guys do really well is they make really good sweet swag holiday swag we got cool hats we got cool coffee mugs like if you're looking to buy something great for your guy for christmas you can get him this book you can get him a cool hat or shirt or coffee mug like these guys are the real deal they know what they're doing and let's talk dark intercept what's the book about guys without giving anything away who wants to go first well thank first of all thanks for having us it's so great to talk to you again we missed you um yeah so it's, you know, what's funny about this series and this book is that um, Brian and I have been talking about this book for a couple of years. As you know, we have, a we're in a really explosive phase of our career that's been so much fun and so much excitement for us because we have multiple series going and books every few months. And so this book was something we actually talked about how long, Brian, four years, probably three or wow. four years, maybe. I think we yeah. started, we brainstormed the idea of it. And then in between projects, we actually wrote, I don't know, 40 or 50 page sample, the first few chapters. And we were in love with the idea, but we really didn't, you know, think there would be an opportunity in the near future to bring it to fruition. And we'll tell that story later about how that happened, because it was really cool. But um, this story is a little bit different for us. It's got all that classic Andrews and Wilson stuff. There's some military action. It's a former Navy SEAL and some covert operations and stuff like that. But what we've done here is we've weaved in this faith element, this element of crisis and faith for our main character and some of our secondary characters, some ideas of spiritual warfare, almost supernatural level spirit, not almost supernatural level spiritual warfare and those sorts of elements. What's funny is we've had people ask us, you know, why the change? How did you decide to switch over into this other genre? And I think when they first started asking us, we were like taken aback. Like we didn't know we had switched genres. Like to us, as you know, having read our stuff, we try to write very character driven and very realistic stories. And to us, the aspect of putting a faith element just seems so universal. Like no matter where you come, when you answer the question, where you end up questions of why am I here? And is there a God and what's his role in the universe? There's no human that doesn't have those thoughts. And so to weave it into a story to us just seemed like another layer of character development sure. rather than switching genres. And so a lot of people, after they read the book, they're like, oh yeah, no, this is Andrews and Wilson. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So, but it's, it's a cool story. It's got a little girl who's been kidnapped, a, a Navy SEAL with a troubled past who ran away from his, uh, his childhood friends 
uh, after a terrifying event happened that he's uh, been running from for 15 years. Now he's got to go back to his past and use those things to help find this little girl. It's cool. It's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to write for sure. What yeah, did I, I miss? I ask you guys, you're both parents. Did it ever give you like the, like the, like sometimes I read a book and it's like, like in this case with a kidnapped kid, it's a great story, but it also like drives a stake of fear in my heart. Like, how did you handle that? You know, writing and reading is emotional. How did you handle that? Yeah, we're both fathers and we both have daughters and they're both, both of, we have each have a daughter who's the same age as Sarah Beth, wow. who is uh, a point of view character in this series. So it really does tap into every father's greatest fear, which is your daughter is kidnapped and you're powerless to do anything about it. So one of the characters, David, who is the father of Sarah Beth, who's taken, you know, he realizes he's just not equipped to uh, find and rescue his daughter. And when the police aren't able to help him and the, the clock is ticking, you know, they, there's those statistics about how long can a child be missing, but how, what's the percentage of their survival and that they'll come back. And so he's reached that point where that clock has reached the, 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 the red line, you know, and he's terrified. And so he does the one thing that he can think to do, which is he calls his old buddy, Jedediah Johnson, who he's sort of fallen out of friendship with uh, because Jed's a Navy SEAL and he doesn't know who else to turn to. And, you know, when Jed gets that phone call, he's like, but yeah, this is not what I do. Like, I don't find missing kids. I'm a door kicker, you know, I'm, I'm a SEAL. Like, I'm not a private investigator. And, you know, David's like, look, man, I don't know. I don't know how else to call. I don't know what else to do. I need your help. Right. And so, desperate. yeah. And, and, the, and, 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 and I think people can all resonate or can, can relate to being in the situation of David, but also maybe put themselves in Jed's situation where, Hey, somebody's asking me to do a big favor for them, something that maybe I don't feel equipped to do. But in my heart, I know it's the right thing to do. And that's that's tough, right, Jeff, to right. take that leap. Hey, Jeff and Brian, I'm just going to stop here for a second because now is a really good time to thank our sponsor. And as we talk to Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson, they are the author of the Tier 1 series. And we're in NaNoWriMo, so I know you guys are searching for all these great tips. And Jeff and Brian are veterans. Jeff is a combat vascular surgeon, and he's supported the SEALs and other Tier 1 units. And Brian is a submariner turned entrepreneur turned author. And these guys are so successful, and they are so much fun, and they are such best friends. And when I'm talking to best friends, who's the best sponsor in the world? Best Fiends. That's friends without the R. So you guys are going to want to check out Best Fiends because if you've listened to this show for a while, you know that I love this game. It is always in my pocket. It is my go-to when I'm bored, when I have to wait, when I'm trying to figure something out because sometimes when we lift our brain off and play a few digital rounds on this color matching game. It's really fun and it's so much better than the other color games out there. Don't crush the same old candy over and over. Try this puzzle game because as we talk with Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson and their new books coming out and their books are going to be made into movies and this is so exciting for me, you can go ahead and play Best Fiends and you can download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's Friends Without the Art Best Fiends and there's so many fun 
fun things to do here, you guys. It's an action-packed adventure with brain-boosting puzzle games all rolled into one. And new content is added all the time, so you're never bored. And Best Fiends has literally thousands of levels with more added all the time. And I just turned on my phone, and I'm collecting candies because I'm still doing their Halloween challenge. And I'm going to spin the Fiend of Fortune. I'm going to open crates. I'm going to open gifts from friends. And I'm going to earn amazing rewards. And I'm going to get some exclusive pumpkin wins and you know try saying that three times but this is a really fun game you guys and as we're interviewing best friends today brian andrews and jeff wilson i want you guys to go to best fiends so download best fiends free today on the app store or google play that's friends without the r best fiends you'll be so glad you did it'll give your brain a break it'll take you away to these little fantasy worlds when you don't have time to read a book you can just whip out your phone play a few rounds because you play through an actual storyline and you do have these good guys and these not so good guys the slugs and it's really fun so check it out <clears throat> best friends download best fiends free today on the app store or google play that's friends without the art best fiends now we were talking about the hero's journey and as we go from you know a character not wanting to do something he has to do but he he digs deep and he finds that reason to do whatever it is the novelist set him up to do and isn't that the hero's journey, right? To find yeah. new, to new find new ways to spin the hero's journey of the guy that does the right thing, even when it's hard, is a challenge for a writer. You know, we're between us, we're like 20 something books in. We're always trying to find some new fresh angle on that hero's journey because that's what resonates for people. And so Jed was fun to develop for that reason, because we we put into his arc and into the story arc motivation to not help. Like this isn't like just his friend he hasn't talked to in a while. They did not leave on good terms. They're not friends anymore. He has a lot of bitterness. You know, his friend is now living the life he dreamed for himself. And he's married to his childhood sweetheart that oh. Jed always imagined he would marry, Rachel. Yeah. Right. So you've got jealousy. You've got, yes, you've got all these. There's so many. And I'm not really qualified anyway. He has so many good, legitimate reasons to say, hey, look, I'm not the guy. Best of luck. But a, a good hero doesn't do that. He goes, I'm going to do the the hard right thing because it's the right thing instead of do the easy wrong. And that's what Jed does. And so that begins his arc, but that was really fun. And I like that you keyed into the, to the fatherhood thing for us. I know it's because we know each other and you know how important that is to us. But one thing was that like Brian said, it was very emotional to write. But the other thing was it was really cool because our daughters are both creative geniuses and to be able to involve them in a storytelling process was so much fun. Like Larkin and, and Emma would, we would show them the chapter from her point of view and say, all right, what did we do wrong? And they'd be like, well, first of all, that's way too juvenile for a 12 year old. A 12 year old wouldn't talk about this stuffed animal or that music or this TV show. And they really bought in and had a fun time with it. So it was a cool way to bond with our own kids. Well, and it's great for the reader because there's nothing worse than having a story that you really love. Then they write a child character who's either talking like an adult or like, all right, I raised two boys. They are never going to say that. They're going to like sequin fart the loudest. Like, you know, <laughs> you can tell when somebody writes a character and they don't know what they're doing. So to, to run it by your kids, first of all, I think it's a stroke of brilliance, but then you can put things in there that are super authentic to every parent who, who's going to pick up on that, that mistake. And I will tell you that even with even having their support, which was so much fun, it's tough. It's still hard to write a POV from a 12-year-old 
girl, girl. <laughs> when you're a grown man, right? So it was uh, it was really, really challenging. We got to flex some creative muscles for ourselves and find new muscles that are still sore from from the process, but it was a lot of fun and we fell in love with the character for sure. So was it great? Like, I can't only imagine. It's like every once in a while, my kids will listen to my radio shows when they deal with teens and they're like, mom, you should have asked this or next time ask that. And it's really cool because as your kids collaborate with you on something creative, they have power too. And it's really a great it's just a really great dynamic to, to honor your kids and say, hey, you know what? You're right. You know more than me in this. And I'm confident and secure enough to let you know that. Like, I think that takes a real special parent. Yeah, I think I think it does. And I also think it's it, anytime, whatever your occupation is, especially, you know, for us as storytellers, we want to be as authentic as possible. And so to put yourself in the shoes of a 12-year-old girl who's been kidnapped, you know, being able to have access to 12-year-old daughters and say, you know, how would you be feeling in this situation? What would you do? What, you know, what would make you feel the most vulnerable? And how would you, how would you get yourself motivated and try to overcome this adversity? Because Sarah Beth has her own hero's journey in this story. And that's, What's really interesting, you know, we talk about comps a lot in the business. Um, and so our publisher likes to say that this book is like Stranger Things meets Taken. And anybody that's watched that show, Stranger Things, know yeah, that, sure. yeah, the adult actors are good, but it was the kids yeah. that carried that show. And it's because exactly what you said earlier, Sandra, like these kids are acting like what they're supposed to act like yeah. in their age, right? And they were so authentic and it felt real and it felt like they were striving to be older than they were and they, they were testing their own limitations. And that's really what Sarah Beth is doing throughout this story. And she's, she's a powerful character and we don't wanna give away too many spoilers here, but she has her own gifts, her own special gifts. And as she's trying to figure these gifts out and harness them, she makes a big impact on Jed. So Jed's supposed to rescue her, but at the same time, like a part of him also needs rescued. And that's what's cool about this dynamic is they're kind of rescuing each other. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great way to say it. And I think that what was fun to explore in Sarah Beth that I think we both admire in our own daughters is we both have daughters who are very, very strong. They're going to both be very strong women, but they are very humble and very, they're not insecure people, but they're very humble and I think that neither neither Emma nor Larkin really knows what they're capable of yet at their age. You know, they're both 13 now. And um, I think that that's what was fun in Sarah Beth was to write this character who is delighted to discover that she's more than she thought, that she has abilities, that she's not going to just collapse in the corner, maybe at first, but eventually she's going to pick herself up and say, look, I can't just wait for someone to rescue me. I, I If I'm going to be okay, it's going to be through me. And I really, I know I'm going on and on about Sarah Beth, but I love that character just like I love our daughters uh, and maybe because of that. But um, she, her, her arc, her journey is really cool in this book. I think people will really like it. Well, and it's very rare to find a book that, and I'm really excited to read it. I'll be honest, I just got it in the mail last night. So I haven't had the time to bring it into my jacuzzi bathtub and really, you know, <laughs> dig into it. But 
a lot of times military thrillers are, and I, I have this problem because I like to read military thrillers and I'm a woman, you know? And so they're written for men. They're written with a men's point of view. They're written with all these things. And like, you're putting a kid in there. You're talking about, you know, experience as a parent. You're talking about some of these things that really draws me in, like makes me interested even more to want to read the book. Well, I'm glad that feels that way. That's something we've done in all our books is try to make them very character driven, which I think sets us apart from some military thrillers. You agree with that, Brian? Not nothing yes. against our, our co our fellow authors like right, right, right. right. And and you know we we try to have a diverse cast. So it's we're not just writing uh, male points of view. So in every in all of our thrillers, yes. uh, the female characters have a point of view. And, you know, we, we get to see our demographics. Our demographics skew male in our readership, but we have a very large percentage of female readers, you know, almost 40%, around 40% are female readers. And I also think, you know, that women are very attuned to the market. And we were joking around, uh, joking around one time, Sandra, you were saying, well, it's the women who are buying the books for their husbands, right? You know, yeah. they're looking for a good excuse to get their husband to read instead of watch TV or do working on the lawn or whatever. Or have a so, gift, period. Uh, yeah, so one of my favorite things is when we get a review and it's like, well, I bought this book for my husband, but I started reading it first and I really like it. Now I'm going to make go. him read it. <laughs> well, that's funny because that's how I got hooked on your stuff. You know, you know, no offense. When I first met you guys, I didn't know you from Adam. And I'm like, I get this book and like, you know, I'm like, oh, well, the cover looks interesting. I read the back. I'm like, yeah, that looks pretty good. And I'm thinking, oh, I'll read this for my military house. Maybe I'll scan it, whatever. And then I started reading it and I couldn't put it down. And it's like two o'clock in the morning and I'm still like holding my eyes open. I'm laying in, you know, by till now I'm in bed, you know, just trying. I can't, I can't, you know, wait to get to the next page. And, um, and that's when I fell in love with it. So I, I have a feeling as you, as you develop, you're going to see that, that 40 go to 40 to 50. And I really think that your, your, your books attend to feelings and thoughts as well as just action. And, you know, you call it character driven, but for people who aren't in the industry, they might not really know what character driven is. So let's talk a little bit about that because it is about thoughts. It is about feelings. It is about decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I think one of the things that we do that maybe sets us apart is that we drop you into our characters' lives at whatever point it is, whatever they're going through, you're just dropped into their shoes. But we don't just give up on those characters after one book. We write series. So, you you know, instead of giving you this data dump of everything that's happened their entire life in the first chapter, um, you know, we get to draw it out over the course of two, three books. And so you really get to know these people and you really get to know, okay, well, what are their weaknesses and what are they insecure about and who are their friends and who do they trust and what are they struggling with? And, and that those insecurities and those regrets, you know, those are things that drive a lot of our decisions, a lot of our emotions, the way we interact with each other. So we try to be very uh, intentional about letting you understand that, hey, these are real people with real people problems. And one of the things Jeff likes to say is, you know, we try, we look at all of our, uh, the, the wonderful and amazing men and women that we've served with and met, and they provide inspiration for these characters. 
Yeah, sure. that's right there. I would say our characters are an amalgam of the real people that we've met. And I think that's what makes it a little easier to bring them to life on the page. Yeah, great. I hope you kidnap me at some point. <laughs> You know, but, but, you know, all joking aside, one of the things that I really like about your characters is they are so real and you get this sneak peek into their thinking and into their motivation. And sometimes I'll be like, now, to be fair, I grew up in a military family. I've been around military people all my life. I have brothers. It is kind of fun to see like the male thought process, you know, cause we are very different. So it is kind of fun and go like, huh, oh. I don't know, that's probably why my brother did that. Like that makes a lot of sense. Like these things, you 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 guys do deep a do, deep dive into your characters, so you do really get to know them. Well, that's certainly what we try to do. I'm glad to hear you say you think we we achieve it because I think that's what makes a story rich, right? Especially if you're going to push the envelope a little bit, like we did in the Shepherds, where you're going to you know build a universe almost where there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief that is required to enjoy the story. I think that, that readers, I know for me as a reader, I am willing to suspend my disbelief for almost anything. Yep. If you've made the character real enough for me that to not accept that would mean to kill the character off in my own mind. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I want, I have to believe what you've written because otherwise I won't be on a journey with this person that I've sort of fallen in love with now for whatever, or hated if it's a, if it's a bad guy or whatever, but they're so real that I want to see how it all turns out. So yeah. in, in a book like the shepherds in particular, that suspension of disbelief that's required is much easier to achieve. If I can build a character for you that you feel like you really know, and you don't want them to cease to exist. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, weaving kind of spiritual and natural warfare, or I don't know if it's natural, what, what's the word like for warfare, like I mean, there's no natural warfare, but, but, you know, you get the point, like, but the, the spiritual, I guess you're thinking supernatural and natural or spiritual, but there is an aspect of that. Like when you think of our thoughts, our, our beliefs, our, our gut, like, where does our gut come from guys? Like, you know, like when I teach my kids, when they were growing up, I said, you know, do this thing. It's head check, heart check, gut check. Does it sound right in your head? Does it feel good in your heart? And then check with your gut. And if what does your gut tell you? So, you know, we've got these three brains, if you will, but we don't know where that stuff comes from. So it's there so is an element of supernatural in every decision we make. It's so funny to hear you bring that up because right after saying you haven't read the book yet, because if you hadn't told us that, I would be like, oh, yeah, she read the book and she liked it. Because that's sort of the premise that we weave in from the very, even from the prologue, this idea that for Jedediah Johnson, this Navy SEAL, he spent 15 years in combat. Now he's forced into a medical retirement because of, a, of an injury that he just can't recover from. He's broken physically. He's broken psychologically, spiritually, uh, because of some things that happened in his past. And he has to look back and question those things that you're talking about. There's so many of us that have served in combat that can remember moments more than one time where it's like, I did this thing that I don't know why I did it. It's not what I would normally do. It's not right. what we would expect to do. And thank God I did because a moment later that mosque blew up and we would have all been killed. Or, um, and in fact, we shared this with some friends, this book with some friends of ours who were military people. They're like, dude, I got to tell you, I had this experience. And so what is that? And that's the question you're posing. What is that? Is it a, is it a gut thing? Is it a, just a, you know, you're seeing something subconsciously that you're not aware of? Is right, it dumb luck. 
Is that the Holy Spirit? Is it God saying, I need you to move? Um, and so we get to explore that in this book a little bit, um, which is really fun. And we don't want to just say, here's what we think, or here's what Jed thinks, because Jed doesn't know what he thinks. Right. You get to go right. on that journey and ask those questions for yourself and come up with your own answers, even if they're different for Jed. That was really fun to hear you say <laughs> that, because that's a huge theme in this book, this idea of, is it a warrior's instinct or is it something more? Right, right. Well, because I'm not a warrior and I have that instinct, you know, and, and, you know, and I think for some of us who have alive days, for whatever reason, those happened to us, you know, mine was a birth trauma and I had to be resuscitated. And, you know, so then I had this new whatever coming out of that experience. So, you know, that's why I'm really excited about this because I think it's more prevalent than people think. And it's finally the time that mainstream fiction and talk shows and radio shows, you know, I remember when I did my first like NDE near death experience show like 10 years ago. And people are like, are you sure you want to talk about that? Are you sure you want to? And it's like, yeah, dude, I died. I came back and I'm different and something happened to me. And I was ashamed to say that 10 years ago. Now I just throw it out here like, ah, who cares? There's lots of NDE stuff out here. But I think that whole thing about like going, where does this stuff come from? That's a universal thing that all of us get to at some point in our life, whether it's a terrible illness diagnosis, whether it's a terrible trauma accident, the trauma of war or service. But, you know, nobody gets out of this meat suit alive. So, you know, having something to hold on to in a book, like that's what I love about, about what you're doing is you're giving permission for everybody who reads this book to go, you know what? If Andrews and Wilson can write about it, I can talk about it. I can think about it and it's okay. Yeah. And, and we've had, it's, it's fun to see some of the reviews uh, early out on this book, people saying that exact thing. Well, I wasn't so sure about this. But once I started it and got into it, really resonates with me. You know, this idea that what if just the tools in our hand, you know, you're a soldier and what if just the bulletproof vest and the, and the rifle in your hand are not enough to win? Okay, there's something else you need to be victorious. And what if the in the background, you know, chess pieces are moving that you can't see, you know, the evil that's perpetrated on the world. What if there's intention there? What if it's not just random? You know, what if there are forces actively trying to sow the chaos and discord that we see in the world? And how would you combat them? So we sort of take the, the dive down that bunny hole, which is, you know, hey, if there was an organization that was clued into this, how would they go about fighting? You know, praying by itself isn't enough. You can't just pray your way. We talk, that's one of the lines that one of the leaders in this organization in this story, he says, you know, if I could just pray every problem away, you know, and hold yeah. hands and give, give, give the bad guys a hug, I'd do it. He's right. like, but unfortunately, with the bad guys. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's, that's not enough. But he also says, you know, but also just showing up with my M4 isn't enough either. I need both. I need the spiritual component and I need the tactical component. So that's kind of what we did here. We sort of married together this idea of the spiritual warfare element and the tactical 
components. Right, because we're human beings. We're not machines. You know, we're not yeah. killing machines. We're not, you know, like I used to tell with this old office I worked at when I was really young, I was really not a good employee. And I remember telling the head of the whole boss, I eventually got fired. But I'm like, <laughs> I will not make these copies for you unless you can tell me my name. Because he'd go, hey, you, you come on over here, come on over here, you know, and, and I'd come over and say, yeah, what would you like? He's like, I need these found. I need this thing. And I'm like, sure thing, boss. I'm like, tell me my name. <laughs> you know, not really a good way to get promoted. But the point being is that, you know, we are not machines. We are people. We are humans. And there are aspects of our humanness that even we can't define. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, so I'm, I'm super excited. Now I'm like, man, I got like 20 more minutes in this interview. And then I have two after this, like, when am I going to be able to get to this? <laughs> so tell me something funny about what happened during the writing of this book. Like what, 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 you know, you guys don't just pop out. You're not book writing machines. Like how was it in COVID to write these books? Like, you know, yeah, you are book writing machines. Because <laughs> you guys have a ton coming up. Let's talk about what you have coming up. You've got, yeah, yeah, we got a lot going on. So, um, you know, the, first of all, what a, what a blessing to be able to write this series and that Tyndale house, you know, got behind it and supported it. It's obviously not some right up there alley. It's not an Amish romance with the woman in the bonnet right. sitting on the back of the wagon. So, um, that we got so much support for them was amazing. So this series is exciting because it's coming out. The first trilogy is coming out very quickly. Dark intercept just came out, as you know, yeah. um, dark, uh, angel, comes out in April and then Ooh. next fall, dark, the dark fall comes out. So we get those coming out very rapidly. The Sons of Valor series, which um, we just love. This is the spinoff to the tier one series. Yep. The first book in that series came out in June. The next one comes out next June. We're actually, gosh, we must only be about six weeks out, right? From Webb Griffin. So we now write the uh, for the, for the Webb Griffin estate and for Putnam, we write the presidential agent series installments now. So our first installment of that series, Rogue Asset, comes out December 7th. Uh, tier one, book seven, coming out a year from this winter. So we're a year out from the next installment in that series. Uh, and then we have a new techno thriller coming out in 23. And Brian, we have some news about the Shepherds too. Some, at least, at least yeah. Some very, some very exciting news. Yeah, we and uh, uh, you have to tune in to the very end of the interview before we tell you. Nice. There's the page turner. Like, oh crap! I got to read another chapter to figure out what's going on. <laughs> okay, fine. We'll tell you because we're nice. Um, yeah, no, we're really excited. Uh, Dark Intercept has been uh, option for television. It's going to be developed into a a streaming series, and we don't have a lot more information to share this time, but hopefully the next time we're on your show, we can get more specific, but we're very, very excited about that. Yeah. That is so cool. I'm so excited to see your characters come to life on the screen. I mean, that is super cool. Did you guys ever dream about this? Like, was this in your, when you guys first started writing together, and I, I'm going to admit, I'm so jealous and I really want to have a writing partnership like you guys. I've been through a couple, you know, I haven't found the right fit. I will find the right fit for me, but you guys have been going together so strong, outlasting most marriages today. And <laughs> you're, you're, you know, going to this next level. Like, was that part of your master plan when you first started writing? 
Maybe not when we very first started writing. I think when we very first started writing, we just wanted to, to you know, get the tier one series launched. We, we brainstormed it together and we're so excited. We talked to you about that on our last, yeah. last appearance. And um, I don't, I think any writer that tells you that they haven't at least occasionally thought about, you know, converting to media with their stories is probably not entirely honest with you. But so, I mean, it's something every writer thinks about, but I don't think it was really part of the master plan initially. Um, as we got into writing and we began to sort of diversify our writing into multiple series, you know, we now do techno thrillers, we do this faith-based series, we do these war series. We realize that we're, we are novelists, of course, but really at our heart, what we are is storytellers. Yeah. And so the attraction to be able to share our stories across different platforms so that we could reach new audiences, because the, the, the reality of, of today is that there are groups of people that read. There are groups of people that only watch movies. There are groups of people that stream TV. There's groups. Of, and so if and you people want your who just stories, listen. Yes. And, and uh, yeah. And as you know, our audio books, that's we were shocked at what percentage of our sales are audio because that's a huge demographic now. And so I think that over the last few years, Brian and I have been intentional about writing and diversifying in a way that we could grow our storytelling brand beyond the covers yeah. and into media. So it, it, it wasn't something we set out to do. But I think that as we as business partners started to grow our brand, we did start to talk about, you know, what can, how can we grow into this? And so we were intentional about writing things we thought would work that way. Yeah. Well, because, you know, like I come from a family of non-readers, like I can tell you it's probably been 40 years before my brother or brothers or my dad have read a book. Like they're just not readers. I mean, they do have dyslexia and they do have, you know, and they're, you know, multimillionaires in their own industry, but they don't read. And when I get these great books and I'm like, you know what, I know my dad or my brothers would love these, but if I gave them this, it would hold up the end of the coffee table or it would end somewhere in the back of their pickup truck full of dust. And, you know, it's really a shame that really great books only exist in this one media. And I will tell you, one of the big reasons that audiobooks, um, Audible is one of my big sponsors. And one reason audiobooks are so popular these days is because so much screen time with work, people's eyes are tired, they're too tired to read. And many times when I get a book I really like, and I'm too tired to read it, I'll go on Audible and see if I can pull up the audio. Because you know what, I can do the audio in my car, I can listen to while I'm doing laundry, I can literally be in the bathtub when I'm too tired to read, or I can be on the treadmill. Like, I do try to read books on the treadmill, but it's not easy, you know, and it's one thing to memorize, you know, a, a, a textbook or if I'm taking a course in programming that I can do, but to try to read your book and get involved in it, I can't do that with a page turner, but I can with an audiobook. So I do think that the proliferation of digital media and screens being part of our general workday is pushing many people like me whose eyes are just tired but they want the story and they want to continue it. And there's times I have read a book 
listened to parts of it and then picked up the book again when I'm when I'm wanting that that novel book page turning experience. And then we could talk about digital because when I travel, I bring all my books on my Kindle. I've got that super great Oasis Kindle, another sponsor on my shows. So I'm happy to promote them. But like you can now take a good book everywhere and you can read it go on your Kindle on the airplane, get to the hotel and I'm unpacking stuff, scan to the page or the area where I am and pick it up in the audio. I mean, that is pretty killer reading. It is, right? That's really cool. I, well, I should let you know, just full disclosure, um, we are also, our, our children's college funds are also sponsored by Audible because... <laughs> <laughs> Audio, audible audiobooks represent about 30% of our total sales, which yeah. is, you know, 10 years ago, that wasn't true. And I think the reason is everything you just said, plus the response to that need. The, yeah. the, this is, we've come a long way from books on tape, right? I mean, oh, this yeah. is a sure. performance art now. You look at, you know, um, McLeod Andrews and you look at uh, Ray Porter and some of the amazing people that have read our books. It's an amazing performance. We listen to them and I get things out of my own books that I, sure. like, that I would have missed. It's so funny uh, how it changes our perspective. So it's incredible. Well, and um, these are works of art too. Like for those of you listening that want to look up, you know, Andrews and Wilson on Audible and look up, you know, Sons of Valor or Dark Intercept or, you know, any of the tier one series when, and I've, I've interviewed some of these guys, these voiceover guys that do, you know, these best-selling books and, they're artists, you know, their vocal range and, you know, the way they tell a story, this is not the old, like author reading the book, like remember those? Yeah. And it's like, you know, here, I'll do a reading. And it's like, chunk watch the team of five CIA Smiths <laughs> exit the ship down the gangway. Like, you know, like you've totally yeah. lost me. You know, these are voice artists that come in and create and the mood that they evoke is, and you still get that same brain rush of creating the pictures in your head, but then you have this great audio around you. And, you know, everybody has, you know, um, AirPods or Raycons, Raycons sponsor my show, you know, so we all have access to this stuff. And what do you want to fill your brain with? And this is just my little PSA about elevating the world. You know, we live in a, a world that is divisive, that is angry, that is frustrating. And if you want to take a break from all that, if you want to elevate your spirit and your heart, go to Audible, pick up some of these books, get Sons of Valor or get Dark Intercept and listen and be still and be quiet and be happy and go on a hero's journey so that you're taken away from all this stuff so you can come back to the rest of the world refreshed and energized. When I read your books, I am ready to take on the world. Like when that's <laughs> done, I'm like, yeah, I'm going like I'm your go-to girl and I'm unstoppable. So why would you want to turn on the news or watch some crap on TV when you can be elevated as a reader? Or Yes, the, the, the Audible experience is wonderful. And Sons of Valor is, is performing like uh, no, nobody's business. I mean, it's been out since June, but we're creeping up on 5,000 ratings. It's got oh. an average rating of 4.9. So this book has been very well received. And, and we have to do a shout out to Ray Porter, who is the narrator. Um, like Jeff said, you know, he's, 
He's classically trained. A lot of people don't realize he was a Shakespeare actor, you know, so he's familiar with theater. That's why you get that very cinematic performance because he's used to being in multiple characters' heads oh. and, and really doing this deep dive and embodying their ethos. And so one of the things that's so impressive for us is when we listen to these books, once they're finished, is it changes the way we think of the characters because now Ray has breathed life into these people. And so the next book we write, we're thinking about Chunk as how he's portrayed by Ray or Whitney Watts, how she's portrayed by Ray. And it changes sort of the flavor. And so we're always excited. I mean, I just can't wait to hear Sons of Valor too. <laughs> I can't hear, wait to hear what he does with it. It is, it is absolutely amazing. And, and we are so blessed because we have, we, we, we agreed early on that we both had two favorite book narrators and that's McLeod Andrews, yeah. and Ray Porter. And now our books are read by McLeod Andrews and Ray Porter. And yeah. they are both phenomenal. And what, I mean, you know, you couldn't ask for anything better than to have those guys read your books. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. And think about this, like, look at all the changes, you know, that you guys have seen since you wrote your first book, you know, you thought words to paper, like, well, am I going to get it published now? Look at where you are. And I think it's a testimony to not only your partnership, but your resiliency, because you guys have been how many years now as team writers? Well, since 2015, we started. So six years. Yeah. And we've been friends since 2012. So a long time working together. But I think, you know, one of the things we want to say to your to your listeners is, you know, the publishing industry is, is a lot like every other business in that, you know, there's a lot of gatekeepers and there's a lot of people that want to tell you no. And there's a lot of people who want to shut doors in your face. And so don't be afraid, you know, when they shut that door in your face, you're sure you could say, Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll just go home and stop writing. Or you can say, well, that person said no, but somebody else can say yes. That's right. And so you just have to keep at it. Right. And okay. Maybe this first book, you know, everybody dreams that their first book will be a New York times bestseller. It'll sell a million copies. That is the 0.0000001% chance, you know, of the books that that happens to. The other 99 point, all the other nines, you know, are published and people read them and, and it's a, it's a fight. It's a slog. You have to win your readers over one at a time. And it takes a long time for people to find out about you. So, so don't give up. You know, if you're an aspiring writer, don't give up. If your first book doesn't resonate, doesn't get picked up by an agent, don't keep banging down the doors with that same book. Start your second book, you know, right. because writers write. So you should have lots of stories to tell. Don't be afraid to tell them and don't be afraid to be persistent. That's the only way you're going to make it. Well, and resilient, you know, that's the biggest thing. Like we're coming up on, um, you know, we every year they do the NaNoWriMo um, like writer fest, you know, where they throw down like, I don't know, 50 or hundred thousand words in a month. And, you know, I've talked to lots of agents and editors and publishers that are like, yeah, we get, we get so many people throwing this, you know, Michigash or whatever it is that was thrown out in, in, you know, whatever, 30 days, 50,000 words. Let me just ask you guys just to give a perspective, you know, because this show will air and it'll probably air during NaNoWriMo and people will pick it up. So how many words 
do you guys write, let's say in a week? And then how many of those words do you keep? Because the NaNoWriMo method is 50,000, 100,000, whatever it is. And now you got a book and it's done, which we all know is not reality. So let's, can you speak to that? Yeah, I can tell you, you know, first of all, that when, when the upcoming writers, the new writers hear that they get, they find that discouraging because they're like, well, I have a wife and I have two kids and I've got a job and like, I'm, I'm, you know, I can't write 10 pages a day. That's not realistic. Like I, I have to feed my family. And so it doesn't have to be that way. So I want to frame this as we are two people writing simultaneously full-time. This is our full-time job. We get up in the morning, our kids go off to school and our wives go to their jobs and we write until they come home. And even that way we can, I would say that when we are in, in our peak, you know, like around the middle to the last third of, of a book, that's when we produce the most content per day. Even on those days between us, we might do 10 pages a day. 12 pages a day, right. you know, you'll have that weird day when you do 20 because he did, sure. he actually had did 12 and I did eight or whatever, but in the middle of the slog of it, if we're both getting four or five pages a day, that's a full day. So, um, you know, the idea that you can, and so working together, we write a book very fast for this industry. We write a book in about three months. That's insane. That's ridiculous. Um, and that's still not 50,000 words in a month. Like that's, you know, and the other thing to the, to your other point of, you know, how much do you keep? That's harder for me to um, measure because of our, the way we do it. We sort of are editing one another as we go along because we write sure. and we swap and we rewrite. Um, so we don't have a huge amount of, you know, deletions and changes at the end um, like, like most writers do. But um, I just think this idea of doing a massive amount of volume all at once we do agree that you should have a schedule. If you've got a full-time job, you should schedule it like it's a part-time job. Have four or five days where you write an hour, hour and a half a day to, to be productive so you can stay in the story. And that's what, three or four pages, like right. you know, four days. That's, that's incredibly successful in my view. Brian, do you, do you agree with that? I agree. And, and I, wanna, I wanna take one little piece of what you said and expand on that, which is the, the editing portion. So. Jeff and I embrace this, this mantra, which is all writing is rewriting. And if there's one piece of advice I want any aspiring author to take away, it's that all writing is rewriting. And what that means to us is that everything is fair game to be changed and revised and made better. So that first draft, you asked that question, how much should be kept? The good stuff should be kept <laughs> and all the other garbage needs to be getting rid of. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you need to read it, if you're getting bored, your reader's going to be bored. In fact, your reader will get bored before you because you have pride of ownership and you're the most interested in the story. So if you're getting bored, there's a problem. So when you go through your manuscript, you always need to be looking for a couple of questions. Number one, how do I add more conflict? How do I add more action? How do I add more suspense? How do I make the hook, the thing that drives the reader to want to get to the end, how do I improve that, right? Because you really don't get a lot of time to screw around in these stories. The readers, they have a lot of choices, and especially the readers who read a lot of books, they can see the ending coming or the characters don't resonate with them. They're gonna be like, mm, I'm gonna put this down. Or I skip to so, the end. So, you know, they'll skip, they'll skip to the end. So I would say, you know, do not be resistant to revision. Do not be resistant to change. 
you need to look at that first draft as a first draft. That's why we call it a first draft or a rough draft because it is not polished. It is not smooth. It is not ready for prime time. So if you're going to embrace this, I'm going to turn out 50,000 words in the first month. And what you need to do is prepare yourself for at the end of that 50,000 words, you're going to read your own work with a critical eye. And now you're going to take it to the next level. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the thing about the, that whole process is it's a double edged sword. On the one hand, you have to be open to the idea that this is a rough draft and all the things that Brian said, I could not could not agree with more wholeheartedly. But the flip side of that is you can't paralyze yourself by being that guy that edits each paragraph as you do it, because you will never produce a book. And that's, that's sort of the, that's the premise of this of this month long contest that you're talking about is just get a book out and you'll be amazed you get a book out. Yes, it's going to need heavy, heavy editing, but at least you've got to that point. Right. And so what we're constantly telling writers is. Do not make every sentence perfect. Do not make every paragraph perfect. Do not make every page perfect. Tell your whole story knowing that you're going to go back and fix it and revise yeah. it and, and tighten it up. If you don't have a story to begin with, though, then where do you start? There you go. You guys, I need to wrap it up. I want you guys to check out Dark Intercept, Andrew and Wilson's our, um, latest book, Andrew's and Wilson, sorry, wrong, wrong uh, thing. And then Sons of Valor, you guys, this is the prettiest book. Both of them are really <laughs> nice looking, but I got to tell you the cover on Sons of Valor is really gorgeous. Like you just have to go and, and go to the bookstore or look at it on Amazon. It is really good. Check these guys out on Audible. You'll be glad you did. We're going to have them back in a couple of weeks and figure out what's going up next for these guys. Thank you so much for being my guest today. We'll be back again next week. Bye. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.